This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Fitz, and if you don't know who I am, here's a quick bio. Veteran sports journalist who writes, does TV, radio, and is a longtime podcaster. Also, I have stage 4 prostate cancer, so my doctors advise me to stay home during these COVID-19 concerns. So what am I doing with my time? I'm calling some of the many friends, athletes, coaches, and colleagues who have been part of my life during more than 30 years in journalism. Oh, and I'm hitting the record button. Welcome to my life and the Life of Fitz podcast. I first got to know Vahe Gregorian when he was covering the Big 8 and Big 12 for the St. Louis Post-Dispatch. Vahe was respected as one of the great college beat writers in our part of the country. So when it was announced in June of 2013 that Gregorian was joining the staff of the Kansas City Star as a sports columnist, I was so happy that another great sports writer was joining the Star team. Plus, I didn't have to get to know anyone new, so that made my life so much more simple. Yeah, I know. Vahe's column writing sidekick at the Star, Sam Mellinger, was recently one of my guests. But I have asked Vahe and Sam to join me, not because it's an easy booking, but because I respect and like them so much. Vahe is a great sports writer and someone I've long admired. And as you will find out, Vahe's uncommon name, at least here in the Midwest, is an indicator of his fascinating background in a life's journey that dropped him in Kansas City to cover the Chiefs, Royals, and area college sports. So now let's call my sports writing friend, Vahe Gregorian in Kansas City. Hey, Tim. Hey, sir. How are you? I'm going to put AirPods in just so I'm not screaming. And nice. I hope that... Uh, they take. Hang on one second. Okay. Okay. Oh, that's nice. How's that? Yeah. That's good. Makes me feel pretty sophisticated. Yeah, the technology thing kind of is freaking me out. <laughs> hey, listen, it's one of those things where anytime I have something that remotely resembles something modern, I like really need to strut. <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I'm clinging to my uh, Android. I'm a Mac guy in every way except for my phone, and I'm getting ready to switch over to Apple on the phone side. And I'm like, oh, then I got to buy the AirPods, and then I got to be that guy walking around with sticks hanging out your ears. <laughs> I know. <laughs> but I can say, uh, of all people, Joel Goldberg, for some reason, uh, Walked me through it and made me feel like, I, yeah, why wouldn't I do it? And they've been they've been good. They've been good to me. Huh. Joel Goldberg, tech analyst. Yep. Interesting. He's a guy, a keynote speaker and a tech analyst. He is everything. <laughs> so uh, what are you doing this holiday weekend? You had a big pool party in the Ozarks? Is that what you're up to? Yep. We're, we just got back. <laughs> <laughs> 
We actually did go over to uh, Columbia yesterday and met up with uh, Cindy's sister and her family for a socially distanced hike. That was uh, as far as we've been uh, putting our feet in the water. <laughs> you say a hike? A hike, yeah. Huh. Like uh, really walking on a trail, Rock Creek State Park. Nice. Got the devil's icebox. There's a lot of green rolling hills in Missouri, you know. Yeah. I mean, it really is a beautiful state. It kind of transitions down into the Ozarks. A lot of really, really pretty areas. <laughs> but the Ozarks, everywhere I turn right now, I see Ozarks coming at me. I mean, come on, people. Come on. Really? I mean, it looks like just nothing in the world's going on. Um, the Ozarks, the Ozarks has a magic shield around it. And nobody will be affected by this. Yeah, I mean, it's really something. It's really something. Uh, I, I don't know. But who knows? What Maybe nothing happens and we all learn from it. If they want to be their own test dummies, more power to you guys. Just go do your thing. And if you all get sick, I, I apologize if I don't feel sympathetic for you. But maybe you'll all be fine and we'll go, huh, that's interesting. So who knows? Well, that's true. But the thing that, that will be hard to track will be who may get sick. Yeah. <laughs> you know, that's the thing. That is the thing. Exactly. Um, so what are, you, what are you up to other than I know you're doing some lawn work? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I got outworked by my wife yesterday. You know. You got outworked? Is that what you said? Yeah. I mean, yeah. I just, my cancer treatments have just devoured my muscle mass and my stamina. And so I went out and I think I put in four hours total. My wife was out there slaving. I mean, we're pulling vining, growing crap and cutting out little baby trees. And six hours, this woman. Then she says, hey, you know that, that cut limestone we have stacked over there? I moved about 13 of those blocks behind the shed. I'm like, hold on. You lifted 13 of those blocks and hand carried them behind the shed. Like, what? what? I got, I well, just got I, shamed. You know, I, I think there's no shame in... in uh honoring her her service um what can you say i don't know I, I i'm trying to look at it like this uh even the bench warmers for the chiefs got a super bowl ring and that's the way i was yesterday <laughs> the work got done it just wasn't me doing most of it well I, that's uh i like the context and i'm looking forward to your ring <laughs> yeah yeah it's she amazes me she she gets out on that lawn and it's like a hurricane I'm like, well she's a hurricane everywhere it's She's kind of nonstop, and honestly, it makes me mad because I'm trying to watch TV. <laughs> she's she's making a lot of noise when she's getting stuff done. The noise, the guilt. Ugh. Yeah, exactly. The guilt. Come on, woman. Just get it done without making me feel guilty. No, she's pretty amazing. Uh, and, you know, I'm just trying to hang out at home. We're going to sneak over to a landscape place over in Topeka later today. Uh, that seems like a safe place for me out in the open air. Yeah. I'll stay yeah, away from yeah. people. I kind of like this staying away from people. I like to be around my friends, but just Joe Schmo. Yeah, just I'm going to keep the six feet rule even after this is gone. Let's just stay away. Look, there's some there's some handy stuff that could uh, that come of this that kind of thing. I, I don't. Uh, do you watch Curb Your Enthusiasm? No, I don't actually, and I probably uh, should. It's right up my alley, I guess. 
Well, it's a little reminiscent of an episode where a fatwa has been declared on uh, on Larry David, so he's <laughs> but he's he's trying to use it to his own advantage. Where like you know, if he just doesn't want to do something, he goes, "Yeah, sorry, uh, fatwa, you know, that, that somebody, they, they might be trying to kill me." That, so you can just kind of pick and choose a little better. Oh, brother, that's, that's the idea. I do that with my cancer. It's it's a, my my wife, poor wife, gets sick of the joke. Can you take the trash out? Ah, cancer's kicking in. Cancer's acting up right now. Shut up. Take the trash out. Okay, dear. Yeah, my neighbor. Uh, my neighbor's oh my moving gravel and stuff, doing manly <laughs> stuff. Sorry about that. No, that's uh, all right. We're a dog-friendly podcast. Mine will bark at some. All point. right, that's good. That's good. I I I didn't know if you wanted kind of yeah reality reality podcast yeah um yeah my neighbor's moving all this stuff and i said ah tim i'd help you out but that the cancer and he just said shut up man i'm like okay well I'm, i wasn't gonna help you anyhow if i was healthy because i'm not moving someone else's <laughs> gravel i don't want to move my own so what are you doing right now i mean uh i see by the bylines you're staying busy but it's it gets a little creative in these times doesn't it yeah, yeah, and and look, it, it it has been a little that way. And hey, by the way, this is kind of a silly question, but I, have we started? I didn't, I didn't oh. know for sure. Oh, started. absolutely. This is rolling. this is it. Okay. Speaking of Larry David, <laughs> this is the so Seinfeld of podcasts. This is okay. absolutely the, the Seinfeld. Is, yeah. All right, that's that's good. That's good. It is really is a show about nothing. Huh? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, it's interesting that. So March 11th, March 12th, you're sitting there thinking, okay, well, this is going to be a couple weeks, and and uh, I guess we have some stuff we can write for a couple weeks. But then you start realizing pretty quickly that the scope is way beyond your grasp to understand, and yeah. it's really going to be a while. We, I think, I think most of us at the Star, and I think a lot of other sports writers, would tell you that there's been far more to write than you might have thought, right? right? I do think we've all had to sort of open up another tier of imagination. I think that's been kind of kind of part of it. Um, but I think I think everybody's done that. I'm kind of amazed by uh, the general resourcefulness. And I think the other thing that happens, you know, this too, this time of year, you know, it's not like you shut down anyway. So this time of year, you're kind of accustomed to thinking about, okay, what are the other sorts of things I can write about? Um, Obviously, baseball is usually going on, and would we still be in the playoffs? I guess we would still be in the playoffs with uh, NBA and NHL, but that wouldn't affect us so much directly here. So we would be all kind of trying to find those things that we can zoom in on that we wouldn't normally be doing. Um, and I, I, it's, I, I'm trying to think of good examples, but it, I think it's sort of like project-like things and not things that you think uh, – Aren't important otherwise, but you just you generally in the hustle bustle of every day during the uh, the busy season, you just don't you're not really not really looking at it that way because there's stuff built in you have to do. Yeah. By the way, that was a great drop of the word Zoom in that because you know what it was totally inadvertent, and yet don't you have this happen? This happens to me all the time where you don't really realize why you got a word in your head. But then you immediately realize as soon as you say it, like, well, I just typed the word Zoom, and I was thinking about it from a, a Hunter Dozier column I just wrote. I was trying to put a, uh, uh, a little Twitter teaser headline on it, and I wanted to mention Zoom in it. So Zoom is in my mind. I like it. <laughs> I, I got stuck on the word pivot the other day during a podcast about how we've had to pivot to this and that. And and I, I, I kind of felt like Pete Maravich. I was pivoting all over the place. <laughs> <laughs> Alternating pivot foot, did you? No, no, no. <laughs> I, I follow the rules, unlike uh, LeBron. Um, 
Take me through the path that led you to the Kansas City Star. You're in St. Louis, but take me to that career path, where, how you ended up here. Yeah, specific to that. Um, so I was at the Post-Dispatch 25 years, and really, I, I certainly wasn't looking to leave, um, and we loved living in St. Louis. Um, but I, I ended up hearing from the Star about the columnist opening, and I hadn't necessarily thought, oh, I've got to get a column mug, and that's that's what I need to do to, to you know, feel like I, I, you know, to do what I want to do in this business. On the other hand, it is sort of what you, at least in the back of your mind, aspire to, and what comes with it, obviously, is more freedom and more range, which is pretty cool. And so certainly was interested right away and just kind of got checking it out. And, you know, I go a long way back with Blair Kirkup and a, a pretty long way back with Sam Mellinger and love those guys and, and can honestly say I love them even more since I started working with them. And so that was immediately appealing. We had some friends in Kansas City, uh, you know, loved what we knew about it but didn't realize we didn't know it as well as we might come to know it. Um, and I, I also just thought, you know, the Chiefs are going to be interesting. I I, I, I kind of am excited to see what Andy Reid's going to do. I, I knew Andy Lee's an assistant coach at Missouri, and um, I was really concerned about covering so much baseball because I just got a little tired of baseball in St. Louis. I wasn't covering it that much, and um, know, Cardinals are a different kind of thing there. You know, there's, there's uh, such a connection with the community there, but also it's like – um, just an assumption that they're always going to be good. And um, that was obviously the opposite case with the Royals. <laughs> Royal. um, but, but as it happened, and I, I'm just lingering on that point for a reason, um, one of my sort of great surprises and, and really one of the most very fulfilling things that, that happened here was getting to cover the Royals in that, especially in that 13, 14, 15 run where you were – you're seeing this just sort of starting to unfold after nearly three decades of just futility or fits and starts. And um, it was, it was just so fun to cover. And you could, for me personally, it made me, uh, I think it helped me feel um, sort of fast forwarded into living here. I mean, it, it just did. You just felt so caught up in it and you knew the community was so into it. So, so that was, you know, that was that was pretty great. So there was a lot of appealing things. I felt like I had some sense of the terrain at KU and K-State, um, you know, having covered Missouri for a lot of years when it, they were still in the same conference and knowing people like you and knowing people, you know, some of the coaches and you knew Bruce Weber when he was in Carbondale and um, knew Bill Self when he was at Tulsa. And so all those sorts of things made me feel like I was kind of having a chance to parachute into something that was new but a little familiar with, with a, you know, some traction to come into. Yeah, I mean, because I knew you when you, you were at St. Louis because our paths just crossed, you know, just in the press box. And so probably a lot of familiar faces that you got to see a lot more. I do question, you know, you thinking Blair and Sam are nice guys. I know they pretend to be really nice guys, but they're killers. <laughs> they're killers. Seriously, they're two of the nicest guys I've ever met in our industry, and we're blessed to have them right here in our our area. It's it's, it's incredible, and I admire so many of you that work over at the Star because nobody puts off the "Hey, I'm from the big paper" vibe, which is so tiresome in in our industry. 
you're yeah. just in the press box doing your thing. And uh, I think all of us really appreciate and admire the quality of the work that the Kansas City Star does. It is one of the best sports sections in the entire country. Well, I'll tell you what, I, I'm, I'm glad you feel like that. And, you know, I, obviously we could be a little biased, but I, I know this. I love the way we work together. I love the way we share the ball. I think that spirit is kind of in uh, how we feel getting to be around people from other outlets. I think that people outside the business probably don't wouldn't have any reason to know that a, a lot of the enjoyment of what we get to do is the camaraderie with others. And right. probably I'd say it's generally first and foremost with those you actually work with directly. But it absolutely extends to those you see, you know, not necessarily even day in, day out, but over the period of years. And I was lucky to learn that a really easy and gratifying way when I when I was at the Columbia, Missouri and doing my time there, getting my feet wet. And Jim Thomas from the Post-Dispatch, you know Jim, I'm sure, um, although he may, have, he may have been off the Missouri beat by the time you were, yeah. you were covering stuff, Tim. But Jim was like, you know, we're students, and he's like, treating us like we're, you know, seasoned pros. And, and I remember thinking what an impact that had on me. And, oh, you're allowed to be like that? You're allowed to be a, a nurturing guy, even though you're working for a different outlet? And um, I just think that showed a way, and I think that's a, a way that really prevails in the business. But it's it's nice to get great examples like that. You know, it's strange. With my health issues, I, I pulled off the road. Um, I... Just being cautious, and particularly now I need to, but yeah. my energy bank, when it when that battery runs dry, it's done. I'd describe it as a, a bad phone battery where you're at 30% and then you're at zero for no reason. Um, and I've talked to other cancer people, they run into the same thing where their battery just, so I just got to be careful, keep the battery charged. So I pulled off the road and I stopped going yeah. to Big 12 Media Days. So I've, I've come to realize that not being in opposing press boxes around that media and not going to Big 12 events um, like that really kind of hollows out why I'm in this profession. You know, it. I, yeah, I, do, I yeah. do do it to write and communicate. I mean, naturally, that's why I'm in this profession. But the enjoyment I derive from it, I never quite realized was the family atmosphere that's cultivated within the industry and how important all of you people are to me. And I found myself now that I started this podcast, it's really strange. I really intended on calling athletes and calling a lot of coaches. Um, And I've ended up calling mostly media people because that's kind of who I wanted to speak with and touch base with. Plus the athletes are a little bit more difficult. I'm I'm finding that athletes are, are taking advantage (laughs) of this, this by saying, Hey, I'm not available. It's, it's a pandemic. I can't talk on the phone. I'm just more compelled to, you know, call up my friends in the industry and and shoot the, you know what, just just do it and and see how everything's going because uh, that's kind of my work family out there and and I can't wait to kind of get back reconnected with everyone and get back. I don't know, well, I'll go back on the road, but uh, maybe hit some more events. Well, and and look, I guess that's going to be a sort of ever fluctuating or ever, uh, you know, a, a constant X factor for you is how much the battery is charged and how how you feel that. And I, I, you know, I didn't get to ask you this, but I mean, as I think about it naturally, I mean, you have to be on heightened alert with um, what we've got going on now. So I, I, I don't know how that affects your long-term sense of, you know, being able to walk the walk yeah. if you want to walk. 
I'm probably. I, I, I don't know that answer. Uh, I'm, I'm not a you know red light serious problem here because my cancer isn't currently active due to treatments. It might be there, but it's just inert. So I'm more like a yellow light right now. Just be cautious. Don't do anything silly. And honestly, as I've been telling people, my concern with COVID isn't um, my cancer. It's the ramifications of the cancer, how out of shape I've become. Not that I was ever chiseled. Um, My lung capacity sucks. I'm obese, morbidly obese. And so that's those aren't good signs whether you got cancer or not but i am concerned about this fall if they do start playing i don't think i'll be able to get into a press box even if everyone's wearing a mask i, I just think uh now that i'm learning more about it it's it's not just that that certainly helps but in a confined press box space there's too much that can go wrong and i'll probably have to sit this one out maybe i'll I live a half mile from the stadium. Maybe I'll pop up for the post-game press conference after watching on TV, which would be an interesting thing to do. But um, I don't know. It's Well, except for, you know, what I find myself wondering, and, and this, I'm not necessarily sure this is specifically true or potentially true for collegiate sports alone. I, I, I think of it more as what we're kind of picking up in terms of rumblings about baseball and NFL, but you know, you might be doing your post-game news conference by Zoom anyway. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> Even at the stadium. It's true. So it, it's, and I, what I do, you know, naturally the, the things that we're talking about right now are, are the things that concern me in the sense of the, what strength we take in our, in our friends and, and those around us. But the other implication of some of this right now is the um, ability to do the job, aspects of the job that we've, really taken for granted i mean i know people who think you know we're, we're not, we've seen our last locker rooms um and I, I i i hesitate to say that that's what i think it will be or or or, or it won't be but I, but i guess i do feel like i've got a lot of questions for what this is going to look like on the other side of it and you know we don't need to resolve those questions right now we don't, we don't need to and we don't know what that's going to look like but I'm just trying to open my mind up to uh possibility that, you know, being somewhat different and and one of those things that you realize uh, could be changed for good is kind of the nature of building relationships with whether it's athletes or coaches. I mean, if, if it's not somebody you already know pretty well, you know, it makes me wonder how you're going to get to know them right. uh, with 27 other people on a call. I agree. I I experienced that in Snyder 2.0. You know, Snyder 1.0, he was – this is runs against the the thought on Bill Snyder, but he was more open in 1.0. Mm. We, mm. we got assistant coaches. Hell, during the early years of it, I'd go up to the veneer complex and say hi to the secretary and ask if Ron Hudson or Greg Peterson or Brent Venables, one of the original coaches, uh, is in their office and – stumble down the hall and sit down and say, what's up, man? You know, that's how we were allowed to do that originally. And then it kind of got abused by some people and shut down. And for the most part, if we requested players, we got them. We, we did, uh, that, you know, Michael Bishop was put off limits at one point because Mike just said what Mike wanted to say. And that's not a Bill Snyder thing, but, right. but under yeah. 2.0, um, we were really limited to the players we got, we stopped getting assistant coaches, altogether unless it was a bowl game and even some bowl games didn't do it if the bowl game didn't say you had to do it bill didn't do it and i and i think yeah. back now the people i'm calling they're 
people that, like you said, I built relationships with because I saw them quite regularly and did ask them, hey, how's school going? Or, you know, hey, coach, how's the family? It had those kind of moments that reconnect you more than, so tell me about that pass, you know, that kind of thing. Um, yeah. And I didn't have the same relationships with the players over the last 10-plus years uh, under 2.0. And I'm getting back to that now. Under Chris Kleiman, he's letting us be around coaches and players more, and it's refreshing to my attitude about this job. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's terrific that it's been that way, and and I I gathered that from uh from various observations I've, I've seen from you guys, and and sort of specifically from Kellis Robinette, just seeing that uh, it's an entirely different feeling. Um, I think I even saw it without you know putting anybody on the spot. I think I could even see it on the. Uh, uh, demeanors of some of the people who work there that, that they felt um, oh yeah just a little bit liberated to uh, you know get get more engaged in things than that that you know they, they just weren't allowed to even consider so that's uh, that's good and and so yeah so who what that what's that going to be like I guess the interesting question might be there's a little bit back to how we were kind of joking around about using a uh, Cancer or fatwas as a <laughs> as a excuses. I mean, how much somebody is inclined to want to block you anyway, or to, to minimize your engagement anyway, right? I mean, now there will probably be some blanket rules that others are forced to embrace or or at least cooperate with. But I do wonder how much discretion there might be from place to place and program to program in this and. You know, it probably is too early to even speculate on that. I, I you know, I, I, I don't know. I'm a little eh, back of the mind wary of, of losing something that's been such a part of this. And again, you go back to this too. I remember, um, you know, again, just a little before your time. But I mean, first starting this, you just walk into somebody's locker room, and you know, three days a week at Missouri, anyway, it was like hmm. Wild West compared to what it is now. I primarily covered Bill Snyder and basketball. And we, that was a no-go. I think I've been in an open locker room covering Kansas State. Um, outside of the NCAA tournament, I think it was one bowl game you know, that we had an open locker room. And, you know, for all of us that don't do it regularly, let alone the female reporters, it was just really awkward. But it uh, Yeah, and look, it's like it is a funny thing, except for this, that that's the place where – you know, you can zig when somebody else zags, and you can right. you can be over in the corner talking to somebody. Absolutely, and, um, it's a what do you know? A one-on-one conversation, and, and uh, you learn more. And, and I think it also, um, you know, there's this old expression. It's a Red Smith expression about trying to let the readers smell the cabbage in the hallway. I, I still don't know what cabbage smells like, but I get the <laughs> idea that. One of the greatest things we can try to do is take people where they don't get to go, and that's increasingly yeah, difficult. It really is with saturation coverage and, and, and saturation coverage happening, even as things are limited in terms of access. So, the ability to cultivate something different and something that you think is a little more close to authentic and inside is pretty precious. And and when you can't do that, you know, I mean, again, and I don't want to carp here, especially in the big picture context. I mean, we're talking about safety and lives and all these things that obviously matter most. But there's, you know, points of potential collateral damage that are worth thinking about. Well, I know that in the environment of 
kind of the mosh pit of journalism when you're just all around one person asking questions. I get frustrated, although I know that's just the business now when, for example, my guy D. Scott Fritchen, who writes really in-depth things, comes prepared, extremely prepared for press conferences. And he'll lay out, you know, five, six, seven questions for a piece he might want to write Thursday leading up to the game. And Wednesday, another reporter runs all the quotes in a different story. Yeah, yeah. That's that's my real frustration at times and and kind of the unwritten rule now that, hey, if you're going to come to press conferences and hang out, participate. Get, give us something, too, if you're going to take what we have. Don't just stand there and with your tape recorder and record everyone's questions and answers and go back and write or broadcast. Participate here. Um, and yeah. Just, yeah. But that, it, you're right. When you could really peel guys off and get them one-on-one, and D's still very good at that. And I appreciate when other journalists respect that. Oh, you got a one-on-one going, I'll just stand back and you do your thing. But uh, it's it's all changed. It really has changed. We get less contact, and certainly very rarely do we get one-on-one contact. Yeah, and it's funny. You just identified a whole bunch of different things that are kind of just complicated because of the era we're in. So uh, we've all had that happen where, you know, you're thinking about something two or three days from now, and, and – all of a sudden, something else comes up. You definitely can prosper by other people's questions, <laughs> and, and and yet you're on your own cycle. So how do you respect the other person's situation? And and what what's definitely come to happen is that things get used up faster automatically because somebody else is going to use them right away, and then you feel some kind of competitive disadvantage if you don't. And it, then suddenly you're using it in a context different than what you meant to, and yada, yada, yada. Um, also, I've noticed this. I think the one-on-one is kind of less respected now than it used to be. Like Amen. if you're over in the corner, it doesn't matter. Name, name, name the person. I, it, you've got them over there by yourself. Then people used to kind of stand away or at least sort of stand in a little bit of a socially distant on-deck circle, you know. But now people just kind of swoop in and, and – you try to learn a new technique. One of the things I've tried to learn is if I've established a rapport with somebody where we're we're going one on one, and somebody comes in, I might just stand back and roll the dice that uh, the wave will come through. Then I can get back with the person after that. Yeah. I don't know. It's a tricky thing. I'm making it sound like rocket science, but it it really is kind of a lot of interesting dynamics at play all the time. Particularly for a columnist, you're working a specific angle that might be, you know, it's not about that great catch or throw or whatever. It's something else. And boy, to have someone come in and, and hop in on it. It's frustrating. It really is. I write a lot of columns too. It's frustrating. It's like, okay, I had something really cool. I was working here. I was talking to this guy about something really personal. And now, now you're backing up saying, Oh, so what were you talking about? I'm like, oh, you know, it, it's just, well, that's true. And, and look, it, it, this is a better point you're making in a way than the one I was making, which is, it's not just that now somebody else is there. It's also the actual mechanics of the interviewer changed and somebody's relaxed and in a flow and, and maybe they're not so relaxed. And one of these people that just came in has a camera, which changes things. And so anyway, you know, making it sound like we're, we're being tortured. It's not that. It's such a rough way to make a living. Oh man. (laughs) Oh, that's horrible. But, you know what you want. You know, want the little things to fall into place, and and so these, 
these are the crosses we bear, Tim. I know. We just got to <laughs> find our way in this world. Well, you got those AirPods now, so you're a badass. Um, you I can look. Because of these AirPods, I was able to turn my head and, and pet one of the dogs just now keep her from barking nice uh it's not i might have might have been uh you know holding the phone with one hand or on the speaker bad sound so look at me look at that hey it's fitz let's hit the pause button right here and take a little break i've always been fascinated by your name um the heritage of your name and doing quick research because I did like 35 seconds of research for this interview. I really <laughs> dug in. I didn't know you were born in Beirut. Give me the background of uh, how you ended up in the U.S., but maybe just kind of your, your family heritage. I'm glad you're interested, first of all. And so I, I'll, I'll try to keep you interested without rambling too much. Um, so, you know, my, mom, my mom's from New Jersey. My, my dad's from Iran. They met in school in California. And... So he's going off to do his dissertation, of course, in Afghanistan. <laughs> so Fun. they go there and, and uh, they set up shop in Beirut where he had finished high school. And, my, you know, this is the early 60s, and they called Beirut the Paris of the Middle East. Yeah, it was, it was amazing. a desirable place. You know, it was a beautiful place. So I, I'm born there. My dad goes off to Afghanistan a couple of weeks later for a couple of months and really was only there about first six, eight, ten months of my life. Um, then we came back to California, and my dad was in academia. I guess you'd say my dad is still in academia. He's 86 and still working full-time. Um, and so we, we kind of moved all over in, in, for his career. We were in, in uh, the San Francisco area and then Austin, Texas for uh, – Key formative years and falling in love with football. Um, and then by sixth grade, we were in Pennsylvania. And I, I uh, really ended up, I always say my hometown is, is right outside Philadelphia, a town called Swarthmore, Pennsylvania. There's a college there and uh, is just a beautiful town that our family's been out of there many years, but I still think of it as home in a lot of ways. That's um, interesting. And so the name, the name is Armenian, yeah, and it's actually a, a common Armenian name. And um, but Armenians aren't so common uh, in these parts, so it, it stands out as a little bit exotic. Um, and it was complicated a little bit as a kid. I mean, I, I remember, you know, I don't know if you were like this, but when I was a kid, I kind of didn't really like to stick out. And every time we moved, it was like uh, they're going to laugh at my name, and how am I going to deal with this? And but then over time, as you get older and get a little, you know, better sense of yourself, you start appreciating, you know, something a little different and yeah. um, distinct anyway. And so um, now, you know, I feel like, yeah, it is, it is a, you know, sort of a nice acknowledgement of, of my heritage. And uh, I wouldn't say, um, you know, we, Armenia was my first language, but we, I've lost that over time. I'm, I'm proud to be Armenian, but huh. uh, I'm probably not active enough to justify my pride. I, I, I wish I knew more and participated more, um, but but I'm still proud of it. And so that's uh, 
that's a little bit about that. I do have to say I really appreciate what the Gregorian family's done with the chant. I think the chant is really good. <laughs> it's really a nice part of the name. Yeah, I was just I'm well, fascinated by Armenia as I didn't realize until my 35 seconds of research that it was the first Christian nation that uh, Yeah, how about that? Yeah. And 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 listen, I don't want you to stop there at just the chant. I mean, remember the calendar is a big deal. And I've never uh, gotten into mom, that one. My mom always used to say that, you know, we're Gregorians, we own the calendar, so we can <laughs> we can do whatever we want to to bend time and um and unfortunately most of the time we bend time by just being late. <laughs> well, I'm about 100% Irish, so I can relate to that. It's like, uh, I'm going to be a little late. I'm a little hungover today. And I fall into every Irish stereotype, and I embrace them. I'm just, I'm good with it. I'm good. I'm really good with it. Um, in fact, I, I, I embrace the, the Irish stereotype so much, I don't like Notre Dame using it. I don't appreciate the fighting part of it. Um, maybe the hungover Irish would be a more apt metaphor for what we are. I've got Irish coming from me from both sides. And I, I called my sister up today and said, hey, uh, refresh me on some things because I was a little hazy on it. Well, we, we can't really trace the Fitzgerald side because my great-grandfather was orphaned. And they know the name of the parents. But oh, gosh. when you're John or whatever Fitzgerald coming over from Ireland on a boat – there's 17 of the people with the same name from Ireland. So uh, it gets really difficult uh, to uh. trace that. And I didn't know this. My mom's side of the family, the Kibbe side of the family, actually uh, is Irish too. But it they came over pre-Revolutionary War. So um, no kidding. I guess, huh. you know, as on this Memorial Day weekend, thank the Kibbe family. America, man. We were here from the start. So I, I was fascinated by that. What's funny for us is my my mom's Mayflower. Um, wow. So, I mean, it, 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 well, I guess there's still a little time difference between those two. They, I guess we're not relatives is what I'm saying, but <laughs> I, I guess we could be. But Well, um, actually, we don't know. We know it was pre-Revolutionary War. We just don't know when. Um, so it could have been. It could have been well, way back. But. So you're saying, you're saying there's a shot. There's a shot. There's a shot there. <laughs> uh, the, the best story, and I never knew this story until today. Uh, my mom's uh, maiden name is Kibbe, K-I-B-B-I-E. And Amy said it's very difficult to trace the heritage because they've changed the spelling from E-E and just one E and now I-E. And the reason my side of the family is I-E is my great-grandfather, my mother's grandfather, went to have very expensive stationery made for work and they misspelled his name. It was K-I-B-B-E-E, -E, and they did it I-E, -E, and he said, we're I-E. So all of his siblings are still E-E, -E, but his line of the family is I-E. It's like, really stationary? Really? Boy, I find that so disheartening. Uh, <laughs> and yet, and yet, it sets, sets, uh, sets you apart. Or, or I know, and it makes me understand way. the tremendous uh, pressure on us as journalists. If we misspell someone's <laughs> name in a story, it might affect them forever. They might just roll with it. So, got to be careful. Yeah, I had, I really had never thought of that as a consequence. On the other hand, if you misspelled it and they went with it, then you wouldn't have done it wrong. It turns out that's the way it Which, should be, so right? You, you would, you wouldn't have to run a correction. I, I've never made a mistake, <laughs> so it should be that way. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I tell you what, as soon as you talk about a misspelling, I, I learned a great lesson with a misspelling early. 
my one mistake. Um, I, it, it was about my first year or second year at the Post-Dispatch, and I got really excited about a story about a, uh, a guy who basically he built the family a full basketball court in his backyard. He was a guy wow. of some means, but his, his kid was a really good basketball player. It was just kind of a fun story. And his name was Sid, Sid Keene, K-E-A-N-E. So I made sure I spelled the last name right, K-E-A-N-E. You know, that could be different. And then for reasons that I still can't explain, I, I just sort of assumed it was SID, S-I-D. Oh, no. Um, no, no, it was uh, C-I-D. What? And, I would have never got that. Yeah. I would put a Y in there before that. I, same here. But it was it was C-I-D. It could just as easily have been that one. And I, I will say I learned a great lesson from that. I, I'm, I'm, I, uh, it's not necessarily unusual for me to ask a guy named Joe how to spell his name. I mean, at this point... I, I try to be pretty sure on any name. And as you know, uh, you know, you got to move on after a mistake, but, but those, those are day ruining kind of things. And, um, you know, I, gosh, I just had a mistake a couple of weeks ago where I looked up March 11th. Cause that was the night of the NBA thing. Remember that that was, yep. we we're at the big 12 tournament. Well, many were, um, and I looked up March 11th, and, and you know, the next day was March 12th, and I proceeded to type in May 11th. Now, I actually looked that up, and I still typed it wrong. So usually I say that the real mistakes come in – most of the mistakes we ever make are in assumptions of things you think you remember. Yeah. Um, or because you're spinning plates trying to – you're thinking about other stuff like grammar and facts. The important and, stuff, yeah. And you get distracted by a spelling. There's a lot to get right, you know. Speaking of technology, we live in the era of the Internet where if I can't get a name spelled right, I go copy and paste the damn thing into my story to make sure it's right out of the official spelling from the media guide or something. Because once in a while you run into one of those that your mind can't correlate yeah. the spelling quite right. No doubt. And, and I mean, I'm, I'm going to hang my hat on this. I, I, I could still spell Krzyzewski without looking because I had to try so many times. But I'm sure there's like like a number of Smiths I can't get right because I can't remember if there's an E on the end. So It's know. funny. Krzyzewski is one of mine I can't get right. Every time I type it, I go, okay, let's go find this thing and paste it in there. And that by doing that, you never learn it then. You just learn how to go find it. Oh, yeah, that's that's true. That is problematic. But you're doing well, right? Everything's everyone's healthy on your in your family, and uh, uh, this hasn't really yeah, thanks, impacted you. Yeah, thanks for asking. And, and look, we um, we are we're doing pretty well. My my dad is, uh, you know, in his apartment in New York City, and not really leaving the apartment, but oh. still working. I've got two younger brothers; they're both in New York. But my dad's in good spirits, and um, you know, I, I think i I have felt a little bit like this. This might sound funny, but i I hope I articulate it right. I have felt like okay, I'm pretty healthy, I'm lucky to have a job i i uh I don't feel constrained in the sense that I can't go out of the house i mean i I feel a little disoriented, but that's mostly all I feel, and I feel like we're able to connect with our friends and I'm trying to appreciate the little things and I also feel like I need to be responsible to feel good, and because because I don't have bad things happening to me right now, right. I, I need to I need to embrace that. It sounds kind of, you know, I don't, I'm not trying to be Will Rogers, but I mean, it, it, or whoever, um, one of those uh, power positive thinking guys necessarily. But I do feel like um, I have 
much to be thankful for, and I hope that being upbeat is is uh, something that I can do, and you know maybe uh, in some ways can show up in the work, and you hope you can be some kind of strange no. possible help to somebody in that. No, I totally get that. I feel the same way. I, um, you know, I'm kind of self quarantined, but not. I can go off. I can go places. I just got to be really careful. So I really appreciate the restaurants that have made a pickup process um, really simplified. I had to go in a place the other day, and I'm like, eh. you know, even though I'm wearing a mask, I'm like, eh, that shouldn't be in here. But, um, you know, that's just one of the things I have to understand is even though restaurants are opening up, not for me. I just can't do it right now, and you've got to be personally responsible right. for that. Right. Sometimes you have to go into a store. You just do it. I, went into, I had to go into a pharmacy the other day, and luckily it's a pharmacy, so everyone's masked up. But uh, it's unreasonable for society to ask folks like me, well, don't go out. Just don't go out. It, you know, it's not like it's not like I committed a crime or I'm terminal. You know, I'm a fully functioning human being despite this. I shouldn't have to be locked down. But I do right. have to be cautious. I have to be very cautious. Right. You still have to have points of contact. Someone's got to deliver the food. Right. If, you're, right. you, if you're in bad health, you have a health care worker. You have a nurse. And they can be contacted by someone that went to the Ozarks. You know, the, the thing that, and this is, I hope, related properly to what you just said. I, I, I feel like um, we're just trying to be, you know, put a, one foot out gradually, try to, you know, just cautiously step step into the world. I mean, if we go in anywhere, we have a mask on. Um, we have had... Three times now we've done something with friends, either in a friend's driveway at considerable distance and, and on our front porch at, you know, absolute 8, 10 feet distance. I'm not sure that we didn't get closer than that a couple times, but, you know, that, that that's, I guess that's part of how that works as you're feeling it out. But I feel like we're trying to reenter the world and just little step by step. Like, I don't, I don't need to throw all caution to the wind to do re-enter the world, you know? I mean, and yeah. we've gotten a lot out of our Zoom calls with friends. That might not work that same way for everybody, but we have um, done a fair amount of that. Cindy and I have done, I don't know, maybe 10, 12 of those. And what we find in those conversations is that, that you know, you don't have the other distractions you usually have, or either if you're on the phone or even if you're in person, you're probably doing something else also. So you find like it's pretty undiluted uh, time concentrating on what people are actually saying and really responding. So a different kind of quality time with friends that way. Yeah. So it's there to be had, I guess, in ways like that. It's still different than being with people, right, and being free and easy. And you sure miss hugging people. Yeah. I mean that that's that's really a funny thing. I even you miss the handshake. Yeah. Um, but uh, you know. All right, Tim, have you been able to do stuff with uh, people in person? Or yeah. Have you just not quite been able to do that? Yeah, we've uh, we've got a beautiful lawn. We, we've got a half acre here in the middle of Manhattan, and we do a lot of gardening and a lot of outdoor work. And we've got a, the north side of our house is really nice, and it's got a big fire pit area. And we've set up chairs. We're on one side, they're on the other. And, and uh, so we've had some friends come over, do a lot of stuff with our neighbors. We have a great neighborhood, so... Uh, just kind of yeah. keep keep apart, but 
interact and it's yeah. really good but i hear you man i'm a hugger and uh i don't know when we'll get back to hugging but i'm gonna hug the crap out of people probably including <laughs> you when we get on the other side of this because <laughs> I, I i uh i make john Weefold seem like a mediocre hugger and that guy hugged everyone so <laughs> that's great i i what's I, power I, I, I well you know you made me think of something else that i've been telling myself I, I don't know how many more ups and downs we're going to go through, right? I mean, I, I worry about a spike. Right. Right? It might be inevitable. Um, but I do feel like no matter what, ups and downs in between or not, um, every day we're closer to that other side. And I, I, I don't have any assumptions about what that other side will look like exactly, but I think it'll look um, a lot like, uh, in some ways anyway, the, the things that we treasured will be, be back. And, and so – I'm clinging to that belief and that hope and just, you know, trying to look at it that way. I know. It's time to get opened back up somewhat, but we don't need to be throwing massive pool parties in the Ozarks. I mean, we're not ready for that. And let's just cool our jets and kind of ease into this instead of diving into the deep end. And, you know, I, I do worry about uh, the domino effect that someone comes back from there, impacts someone who's a caretaker works in a nursing home yeah. and it rips through the nursing home. You can be asymptomatic. All right. And and then you spread it and or you know one other point of contact and that's the whole thing. I mean it really is an invisible enemy and and as such how can you justify doing what you're doing in the Ozarks? Yeah, I know. I know. But it's Ozarks. Well, what 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 happens there really should stay there. Um, <laughs> <Won't though. laughs> but uh, I, I don't know that it can. So yeah, brother, you're really good talking to you. I'm glad we got to spend this time. Uh, I appreciate you hey, doing this for me. Yeah, and, thanks, man. And uh, you know this, we talk about Zoom calls. This little podcast I came up with um, has been really good for me. Twice a week, I do this and have great conversations. I appreciate it, buddy. Well, I need it. I've, I've seen some of your lineup, and uh, a lot of people I I know or have come across or am interested in. So I'll, I'll try to check some of them out, including uh, my man Dan Feaster. I guess you had on, huh? Oh, he's great. He was great. Yeah, and he's he's, he's such great. an interesting dude because you know right now in this situation, the impact of the economics of sports with what's going on, and he's a big gambler, so he had a lot to say about legalized sports gambling around the country. It was good. It was really good. He's really smart and a great guy. It's a pretty good combination. Holy crap, I've had a lot of Missouri grads on. Yeah, sorry about that. Uh, what what, what can you right. do? Yeah, well, we're, we're deal, out here. Dealing with this industry, it happens, I guess. I guess it does. <laughs> Thank you, brother. <laughs> good to talk to you. Thank hey, you. All right. Hey, listen, take care. Stay healthy, and uh, I look forward to that hug. Thank you, brother. Talk to you later. All right, my man. Bye. See you soon. I actually cut part of our conversation as Vahe and I ventured further down a sports journalism rabbit hole that many of you would have found boring. But I greatly enjoyed every minute of my conversation with Vahe. As we near June and get closer to life as we once knew it, returning to normal, one of the things all of us need to do is tend to medical needs that we've been ignoring, including men over 45 getting to your doctor for a checkup and also check your PSA score while you're there. Regular measurements of your PSA can lead to early detection of prostate cancer. Take care, everyone. I'll talk to you real soon.